I know that you, during the week, you spend time praising and worshiping God. You spend time praying. You spend time reading your Bible. But I'm telling you that the flood and the flow of the enemy and his work is increasing because the Bible tells us it will. The darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people. I know, I know that the Christians are praying, oh, God, make it all better. It, read the Bible. Okay? Don't pray against what God said is going to happen. We need to pray for people to turn to Christ. And I'll tell you that one of the biggest motivators of people turning to Christ is the hopelessness they see in the things that they have trusted in that hopefully you and I haven't been trusting in too. Because there's only one. There is only one that you and I can put our hope in and it won't be disappointed. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when our hope is disappointed, the Bible tells us when we misplace our hope, we put it in something other than God, something other than God's word, we become heart sick. There's a lot of heart sickness in the world, but there's also a lot of heart sickness in the church. Because unfortunately, we have. We have put our hope in various things and not solidly on the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, there is a whole lot of shaking going on. I know that's a song, but it's, uh, it's biblically true too to our times uh, that there anything that can be shaken. I mean, you wake up and you find out banks are failing. Now, I, I, will, I will tell you something. This is a, a good thing for us. And you may say, whoa, you got to explain that. Why is this a good thing for us? All the shaking, all the things that are going on that are showing the instability in the things that we have trusted in, when they collapse, when a bank collapses or anything goes on other than what we expect and what we hope, if we start to get fear rising up in us, we can be aware that we put our hope in the wrong thing. Now, we'll take notice of this stuff. We don't want this stuff to happen, but it's going to. But in the midst of all this, this is why we have such great examples of Israel in the wilderness. In a place that nobody else could survive, God took care of them. Of millions of people in the wilderness, he can take care of you. That, that was weak. It's true. And we need to choose to believe it. Because God is, is looking the scripture says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro across all the earth, looking for those that he can show himself strong on their behalf. Because their hearts, this is a heart issue. Because their hearts are fully turned towards him, fully given to him. And that's a, that's a struggle because there are things pulling at our hearts every week, every day. What, what are we going to give ourselves to? What are we going to trust in? What are we going to look to to take care of us and, and protect us and provide for us? Because if it's not Jesus, it's going to be shaken. And in the midst of all this shaking, God has for you and me to be like the house planted on the rock. 
when the storms and the rains came, when the floods came and beat on the house, it stood because it was founded on the rock. The rock of God's word, the rock of the Lord, you'll be rock solid. And I'm telling you right now, we need to be rock solid in the days we're living in. Amen? And the, the beginning of that, to be rock solid, is the fear of the Lord. When we come to that place of really fearing the Lord, and when we talk about fear, uh, there's a, a, a different understanding. It's not a terror but there is an uncertainty. There is an uneasiness in the fear of the Lord. But we haven't gotten to that yet. We have been going over what the fear of the Lord is and how it affects us. And, and uh, I just want to read some quotes about the fear of the Lord. Uh, John Witherspoon said, The fear of God is the great antidote against the fear of man. Uh, another quote is, The fear of men weakens us. The fear of God strengthens us. How does it strengthen us? It strengthens us because when we fear God, when we have this uh, preeminent adoration and awe of God, when we, we place him first in our priorities and in our values and what influences us, what's allowed to influence us is God before anything else. And then as we adore him, we have this fervent, this passionate, devoted love and worship of him. Before anything else, before we're devoted or loving to anything or anyone else, it's God. And that, as we become intimate with God, intertwined with God, there is a stability that comes to our lives that no matter what bank fails, no matter what happens, no matter what flood, what earthquake, we have a stability and a strength because we are connected with God more, more fully than anything or anyone else. And that's how it strengthens us. Another uh, quote is, he who does not fear God has need to fear everything else. When we don't fear God, then we become afraid of everything else. When we look at our lives and we see areas that fear is, is creeping up in, it's, it's, it's literally an indication we can see because we're afraid of that, we don't have the reverence for God, the trust in God, the honor of God, that we know God's going to take care of it. And that's a battle, church. That's a battle every day that we would, we would have our focus on and our trust in and our obedience and our alliance to God before anyone or anything else. Oswald Chambers said, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, then you fear nothing else. John Calvin, nothing is more powerful to overcome temptation than the fear of God. We've been studying about the fear of God. It's essential to us as Christians. We, we can't really be what God has for us to be or do what God has for us to do without first as a foundation, having a fear of God, having an awe of God, having a reverence for God, having an honor for God, having a respect for God, having an esteem, a high esteem of God, having God as our priority, having God as the one that we love. And when we say we love something, it's not just verbiage. It's shown in how we align ourselves. You know, when you love someone, I love my wife. 
And, and one of the things that happened, because I love my wife, I, I go shopping. I do. Now, before, before Debbie was part of my life, I didn't do shopping. I did hunting. Not in the fields, in the malls. All right? So I, I, I knew what I was going out for. I would track it down. I would trap it, and I would bring it home. When, when Debbie and I started to date, and after we got married, I, I did shopping. There was no more going in, getting it, and going. There was going in, looking around. What are we going for, hon? Oh, I'm just looking, feeling things. Oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah, it's nice, honey. We going to get anything? I don't know. I'm just looking. And I learned how to look. Not be like, I can see it all right here. Because I loved her, I wanted to do what she wanted to do. I wanted to be with her. I wanted to value what she valued. My life adjusted. Now, don't, don't be hitting anybody next to you because of this. <laughs> It's, it's one of those things that if we love God, and, and he's the most important one in our lives, he has the preeminence, he is the, the top priority, the greatest value, and the greatest influence in our life, then we're going to make an adjustment. Guess what? God doesn't adjust. And we ought to be happy about that. Sometimes we wish God would do what we want. I'm going I'm to help you understand something. When was the last time you did what you wanted and it didn't turn out well? It wasn't too long ago. <laughs> All right. And, and that's why we don't want God to do what we want. We don't want God to do what he wants because what he wants is best. And it's perfect. And it's right. And it's life-giving. And that's why we have to adjust to him. All the time. This whole life here, it's about adjustment of us to God. Leaving the things of our past, the things that we used to do, the way we used to think, the way we used to talk, the way we used to act, and begin to be like God, to think like God. We're never going to be like God, but we can emulate God. The Bible says be imitators of God, and we need to adjust, and we do that because we prioritize God above everything. We value God above everything. We allow God to influence us and not all the things that used to influence us because they're not important to us anymore. We also, we have this passionate, fervent, devoted love and worship of God. We, we love and worship God before we love and worship anything else because we do, we do, we do. I hear people say, I love ice cream. Okay. You say you love God and you love ice cream. Which comes first? Yeah, obviously God. But it's confusing. And we worship things. Now, we don't go out and stand before, you know, whatever, the new car, and, and raise our hands and sing to it. But I'll tell you, we put so much attention. Effort. Consideration inspection to that piece of metal 
that may get you somewhere and give you some notoriety. But it's fallen apart from the day it was created. It's going downward, and God is always going upward. Why would, why would we worship something that's declining in some, instead of someone who is ascending? And awe. We're going to get to this, and I'm telling you, this is, this, is, this is amazing. Being in awe of God is an amazing thing, and we should be. We should be in awe of God when we walk in here. And, and, you know, we enjoy, we enjoy fellowship, and it's great to watch you guys greet each other and enjoy each other, but I'm telling you, the moment that we start worshiping God, there should be no one that's looking any other direction, doing any other thing than, than towards God. Because it is a privilege. See, we don't know this because we haven't experienced anything but what we experienced. But to be able to walk in a building that is called a church, that people know that people who love Jesus are going to, and not have to be afraid that somebody's going to break in and shoot you and kill you or imprison you. This is a reality for a lot of people in our world, but it's not ours. And so it's easy to take it lightly. But we're, we're, we're in this moment of worshiping and praising God. Can I tell you something? It's not a warm-up. Some people think, well, you know, I'll miss part of the worship because it's a warm-up for the Word. It's not. Man, we should be worshiping God all the time. And it's not just lifting your hands and singing songs. We worship God with how we live. We worship God with what we think about. We either honor God or dishonor God. And I'm telling you right now, we have, there's been a marvelous job done in us becoming very aware that God is our friend, that God is an ever-present help in time of need, that God is close and that God cares. But one of the things we cannot afford to lose is the awe of God. Just being in awe of God. Because we have that happen in our lives when we're, we're in the presence of some people. You know, there's, there's great respect. There's, there's great honor. There's, there's, there's this uneasiness. I don't want to do anything wrong. And yet for, for many, many people, they don't care. You know, we'll just walk in. I'm telling you, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be like what happens here. There's going to be an awe of God that is so necessary to return to us, the church, that we would so respect God that we would never even consider disrespecting him by disobeying him. Because every time I disobey him, I disrespect him. I remove my... My honor of him to put honor towards something else, respect towards something else, love towards something else, devotion towards something else. And the moment I do that, I diminish his ability to affect my life because he won't force anything on me. And so this, this fear of God, this awe of God, this adoration of God, this preeminence of God, 
needs to return to the church. And it needs to return to the church because there are things that this produces in our lives. But it is, it is so important. And before we go any further, I just want to pray. So if you bow your heads, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this time. Father, please, I ask you to direct me today to speak what you want spoken to those you so love. That, Father, you would impart to us your truth that sets us free, your word that heals and restores, that illuminates. Father, we need to hear from you. Father, I thank you for the privilege of speaking to the bride of Christ. And Father, I pray that we would all have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us, the church. That Father, we would, we would grab a hold of the rainbow word that you have, which is the sword of the spirit. And be able to do battle the way you have for us to do, not fighting against flesh and blood. But Father, just enforcing the victory of your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for all of this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. In Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 and 14, we looked at this before. We looked at it in the Amplified, but right here it says, and now all has been heard. This was written by Solomon. Solomon wrote three books. He wrote the Song of Solomon, the book of Ecclesiastes, and the book of Proverbs, the book of Wisdom. And he says here at the end of this book of Ecclesiastes where he's been searching, searching, searching for the meaning of life, what's valuable, what's important. And he says this, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commands for this is the duty of all mankind. You can't get more foundational than that. This is the duty. This is what we were created for. To... to Bring honor to God, to show honor for God, to, to reverence him, to be in awe of him, to be in love with him, to worship him, to value him, to prioritize him above all. You know, there's not going to be anything in heaven that's going to take our attention off God. And there shouldn't be anything here that keeps our attention away from God. Then it goes on to say, for God will bring every deed into judgment. Jesus is coming back. That's really exciting. But do you know that when Jesus comes back and we the church go, there's a judgment we face? And this says, God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Not only are our deeds going to be judged, our words we're going to give an account for. Everything we say. And that is really sobering, and, and it needs to be. It ne this needs to be an aha moment of, oh my gosh. You know, when, when 1999, December of 1999, people were getting serious and sober about, oh my gosh, you know. 2000 is coming. And some people were saying Jesus was coming back then. Other people were terrified 
of what was going to happen with all the computers and electronics and things like that. And you know what happened? People showed what was really going on inside them, who they were really trusting in. The Bible says some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we, we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. And when it says the name, it means his character, who he is. When we call him Jehovah Rapha, he is our healer. When we call him Jehovah Jireh, he is the one who supplies the need before the need is ever, ever known. When we call him Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, there is no one higher. And that is the only name under heaven by which men can be saved. You hear a lot of other things out there, but it's not true. That's where we've got to get a hold of the truth and just hang on to the truth, walk in that, the light of the truth of God's word and be secured by it. This fear of God. Man, we, we don't have to worry about doing evil. We don't have to worry about all this other stuff. If we will truly fear God, the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord, because of the fear of the Lord, we depart from evil. We run from evil. Why? Because we're running after God. Because of the fear of the Lord, we will hate sin. Because when we fear God, when we esteem God, when we honor God, when we reverence God, when we adore God, when we're in awe of God, and God has the preeminence in our life, we're going to love what he loves and hate what he hates. Guess what God hates? Sin. Guess what God loves? People. What do you mean? He hates sin and loves people. He hates the sin because of what it does. But he loves every person. Do you know how I know that? God so loved the world. That's right. That's right. He so loved the world that he gave. And when we love God, we will love him. We will love truth. We will love life. And we will hate sin. We will love people. By the fear of the Lord, it says, one departs from evil. And then finally, just another portion, and all of these are out of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, another book that Solomon wrote. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it abides in satisfaction. You know, there's a song, I can't get no satisfaction. But God's word says you can. But you and I have to fear the Lord, abide in the fear of the Lord. Then there's a satisfaction, there's a fulfillment, there is a, there is a, just a sense of, oh, this is, this is where I need to be. This is where I need to be. In Revelation, the last book of the Bible that most people freak themselves out over because they don't understand. It's the revelation of Jesus. It's a victory. It's not a scary book. It's a book of preparation to understand what's ahead and who it's for. In verse 6 and 7, it says, then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, the everlasting gospel, to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, to preach to everyone on the earth, the everlasting gospel, to every human being, every person, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, saying with a loud voice, this is what he says, 
Fear God and give to him, give glory to him, for the hour of judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven, earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Give glory to God. Fear God. Worship him. You know, when we come to the judgment, we don't have to be afraid if we've feared God. If we have, have truly reverenced God, honored God, if we've respected God, if we've valued God, if we've prioritized God, if we've let God influence us and we've loved him and worshiped him and been in awe of him, it's going to keep us where we need to be. And yes, yes, don't ever lose. Don't ever lose the fact that God cares so much about you individually and that you can come any time to him. But the moment we start coming to him and saying, hey, big guy, no, I hear this. Oh, the big guy upstairs. You know what? That's a disrespect. And because he's just the big guy and he's not the king of kings and the Lord of lords, you don't have the blessing of what the king of kings and the Lord of lords will bring to your life. You've got the blessing of what the big guy can bring to your life. And I can guarantee this. When we're in heaven, nobody's going to say, hey, big guy. That's not going to happen. And we're practicing for heaven. Heaven needs to invade earth. The respect and the glory that's being given to God in heaven needs to be the same respect and glory that's given, God, given to God in the earth. And I'm telling you, the people that don't know God can't give it. But the people that do know God should give it. And that's where there's a change. A change that needs to happen in all of our lives. And we've been learning about this. We've been learning about the fact that we need to to fear God because the fear of God brings unity. It brings unity in the body of Christ. We can't be united with anybody that isn't the believer because they don't have the same foundation. The Bible says, how can two walk together except they agree? And you may say, well, well I, there are all sorts of Christians that I don't agree with. Well, you know what? That's okay. But you and I have to learn how to disagree agreeably. Instead of making that disagreement on who ought to be president. Isn't there somebody above the president? Absolutely. Because it doesn't matter, Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter who gets in there. They're human beings. They're flawed. They're frail. They fail. Don't put your hope in another man. And some people are worshiping politicians. They're our Savior. No, they're not. You just disrespected God. Because God's not going to use a politician. And he's not going to use a political system. You know what God's going to use to show who he is? He's going to use the church. The church that will show up and show out the glory of God. Not how great they are, how great our God is. When people look at us, we've got to make sure they realize, you know what? The things that you see in me, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. 
This is about Christ in us that's the hope of glory. Every one of us needs to be reaching out, and when we reach out to others, we're always pointing up to heaven. Because this is the one that they need, not this one. Would you just, I, I've, I've gotten way out of, of alignment, but Cheryl, thank you so much for, for being so good to help me up there. I appreciate all you guys, Bob and John and all the people that are up there. They do a great job. When they, things don't go right, we're like, well, what's going on? But when they're do, going right, people are like, okay, that's great. That's the way it ought to be. But we need to appreciate them. So thank you guys very much. And lady. Cheryl, would you put up the, uh, the little thing about the fear of the Lord, the description? The fear of the Lord, this is what I've been saying. It's preeminent adoration and awe. It's the first and priority value and influence. It's a fervent devotion and love and worship of God. And it's veneration, exaltation, trepidation, and mag magnification. And we're not going to go through the last four. But we've gone through the others, and, and this is important. And I've got some little cards if you want these, because I'm one of those people that's like, I need to get that. And I see Tommy using his phone to take a picture, and that's a smart thing, Tom. But uh, we'll have some cards out there that will have this on it. You know, I would encourage you to carry it with you until you can memorize it, because this is very important to how our, our lives are being influenced. I am, I am finding my life having to change in just monumental ways. But we were, we were in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. We're going to read through this real quickly, and we're going to go back to where we were. But it says, it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence the ignorant people that make foolish accusations about you. Honorable lives. This is God's will that we would live in an honorable way. Honoring who? Honoring what? Absolutely God. You know, sometimes we want people to honor us. But that's fallen far short of where it ought to be. If anybody honors us, we should be sure to make, make people aware. You know what? I appreciate what you're saying, but if anything good has happened in my life, because every good and perfect gift comes from who? God. That includes the things that are good that come from us. If it came through us, it was God, because God is the only one that's good. When people came to Jesus and said, a good master, and he said, why do you call me good? There's only one good but God. He's God. So when good happens, we need to make sure people understand where it came from. But it's God's will that we would live these honorable lives, honorable lives, so that it would silence the people that are making accusations about us and about him. Then it goes on to say, live like free people, but don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Live as those who are what? So who's this all about? How are we supposed to live? We're supposed to live honoring God. We're supposed to live serving God. Man, this is, this is getting pretty much weighted towards God because that's what it's supposed to be. And then it says in verse 17, and it almost seems out of context, but it's not, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. The emperor? See, I told you, this Bible is so outdated. It's just not, not relevant to us today. No, it is relevant. Who was the emperor in that time? Caesar. Was he a good emperor? 
Absolutely not. But it says honor him. That's a little tilt moment. You know, what? But it starts out with show proper respect to everyone, love the family, fear God, honor the emperor. And we started last week and we looked at the first thing we've got to do is we've got to fear God. That is the basis. And, and we, we know about fearing God. We, we've, we've studied it. We are aware of it. So uh, we realize that when we fear God, when we honor God, when we reverence God, when we uh, esteem highly and love God, then all of a sudden something happens in our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, which is number two. It says, love the family of believers. And this is not the order it's written in. It's the order of importance. Fearing God is more, most important. The next thing that ought to happen ought to happen affecting our brothers and sisters in Christ. Our family members should be the most affected by our salvation, by the influence of God in our lives. They should be the first ones that see how our lives have changed. And, and we are now more patient. We're more loving. We're more kind. We're more merciful. We're more gracious. We're more considerate. But unfortunately, many times we get saved and we do that all out there and our families don't see it. And they want, want to think that we're hypocrites. But it's just that we try harder out there. And so we're, we're to love the family of believers. And we found out the reason why we love the family of believers is because we love God. Listen, if... if if I love God and God loves Pastor Gabe, then I can't say, God, I love you and hate him. And in Matthew chapter 5, or 25, we looked at this last week and how Jesus was, was, was saying, if you do all these things, if you visit me when I'm in prison and, and do all these different things, give me a cup of water and feed me. All these different things. He said, if you've done these unto the, the least of these, you've done them unto me. But one of the things I did not read to you was what follows. From there, verse 41 through the end of the chapter, he goes into great detail and says, when I was hungry and you didn't feed me, and I was thirsty and you didn't give me drink, and when I was uh, in prison and you didn't visit me, if you didn't do it for the least of these, you didn't do it to me. And so when we, in, in our brothers and sisters in Christ, when we treat them well, Jesus is saying, thank you for treating me well. But when we treat them badly, Jesus is saying, why did you treat me badly? And the fear of God will cause us to begin to value every brother and sister in Christ, whether we agree with them or not. Why? Because God lives in them. How we treat them is how we treat the Lord. And I'll tell you, we are at a new low in our, our world. And I don't even know the half of it because I don't, I don't go to Facebook or any of those other things because people are so nasty. Saying the most ungodly things 
taking shots at each other, ripping on each other. And you know what's happened because of the new boldness we have on these electronic platforms and the anonymity that we can say whatever we want to say and just blow? Now when we get in person, we do the same thing. And that's why we see the eruption that we've seen in our society. Because people are just carrying it on from the place of anonymity to every day. And it, it's, it's infiltrated the church. We do this with each other. I'm telling you, we would never talk to the Lord Jesus Christ standing right in front of us the way we talk and the way we think about other Christians. And if that's true, then it has to change. Well, I got an issue with you. Okay. Get in line. And, and I'll listen, but I'm not going to listen to your disrespe disrespect. If you are not going to respect me, I'm not going to listen to you. Because when you disrespect me, and it's not because I'm a pastor, it's because I'm a Christian. God's living in me. And I don't want to disrespect you. And I'm too afraid that if you disrespect me, I'm going to disrespect you. I'm just being honest. It's hard sometimes. My, my B.C. before Christ days were, man, you come at me, I'm coming at you double what you came at me with. I'm going to escalate till I can't. Now, I'm not proud of that, but that's something that is below the surface. It's still there, and it wants a way out, but I've got to choose God. And at this point, I still tr struggle with that. I am not proud of that. I wish it was gone, but it's not about wishing. It's about working, working to let God have his way. And so we, we, we love the brethren because we see that they are carriers of God. We respect them. We show honor to them. We love them, even if we disagree, which brings a unity. Not a uniformity, a unity that God, God intended and wants because it, it results in revival and lives changed. But then it goes on to, uh, before we leave that, there's one more, more thing that I felt very impressed by God this week that I needed to share, and it's in 1 John chapter 4. And this is, this is a portion of Scripture that is uh, somewhat familiar to a lot of people. Verse 7 and 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. And there was a song that the kids used to sing, and that was it. And it went on to say, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So when we don't know God, we're indicating we don't know God. When we don't love, we're indicating we don't know God. We're indicating we're not allowing God to have his way in our lives. Now, help me with this, okay? If, if, if the Bible says you can't serve two masters, right? You love one and hate the other. And if we're not giving place to God... 
who are we giving place to? Yeah, you got to say it, the enemy. The enemy. Now, I, I absolutely believe every, every Christian would never intentionally give place to the enemy. But we do. When we choose not to walk in love, we're giving place to the enemy. I don't know if I can do this. You can't. Whew, I'm off the hook. No, no. You can't. I can't. In myself, you in yourself, it's not about trying, it's about trusting. It's about saying, okay, God, your word says the spirit of God who dwells in me floods me with the love of God. So in that moment where there's something going on, I need to give place to the love of God. And I told you, sometimes I struggle with giving place to the love of God because my flesh wants to rise up. Now, I haven't hit anybody recently. <laughs> I haven't hit anybody for years. <laughs> yeah, you'd be visiting me in the prison. Uh, but... but yeah. We all have these things that rise up, and we have to choose to fear God, to reverence God, to give God the priority in our life and value him and let him influence us instead of this stuff that has been with us and is so familiar, so easy to slip into. And yet we have to intentionally choose to honor God, to fear God, to, to love like God loves to live like God lives, to care like God cares. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. And then in verse 11 and 12, it goes on to say this. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We ought to love one another. This is talking about our brothers and sisters. Ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. What's that, what's that saying? His love is mature. None of us are perfect. It's, it's developed to the mature place. But when people can't see God, what they can see is God's effect. People can't see the wind, but we can see the wind's effect. Well, there's wind out there. How do you know? Well, the, the trees are moving. There's love out there. How do you know? Look at the lives of those people. Look at how they're living. There's care, consideration. There's civility. There's kindness. And this is incredibly important for us as believers. Then in the last two verses of the chapter... It, it tells us in verse 20 and 21, it says, and this is Jesus. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who, who loves God must love his brother also. This is talking about the spiritual community of God, the, the body of Christ, our brothers and sisters. You and I must love. Commandment from Jesus. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
We read in Ecclesiastes that if, if, if we fear God, we'll keep his commandments. There is disrespect we show to God every day that we choose to disregard his commandments. What we're saying is, you know what? I know you said that, but I got a better way. <clears throat> no, you don't. Because he has the best way. And it's just pride and arrogance and ignorance and deception when we think we have a better way. And that's not to, to cause you to be hurt, but it's truth. And if you and I become offended by those things, then we're not wise. The Bible says a wise person, when you rebuke them, they'll love you for it. Now, no rebuke is, is comfortable. No adjustment is comfortable. But if it's necessary, I'd rather know to get on track now than when I see Jesus and he said, you should have been on track. And did you hear he's coming back? Verse 20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother. Now, we can say, well, you know, I don't hate these people. You know, God, I don't hate them. But listen, listen to what the definition of, of hate is. It's to loathe. Yeah, I kind of loathe them. <laughs> to dislike them. To disregard them or to have an aversion to them. Now, what, what, what does this break down to? If you have any ill feelings towards another person, deal with it. Let it go. Because the Bible says, God can't forgive you if you don't forgive others. Don't carry that grudge. Don't carry that offense. Offenses are one of the other big keys to the last days. Many will be deceived and many will be offended and the love of many will grow cold. Those three things, deception, offenses, and cold love, were in the last days. And there are people in this room that you're carrying offenses towards other people, whether they're in this room or not. You're, you're having aversion to being around them. That means when you, you see them, you want to kind of craftily go another way so you don't have to engage with them. It's not the all out, I hate you. It's, ooh, I don't want to be around them. Now, there, there are reasons we don't want to be around people because maybe they're in sin. But you know what? We still need to love them in their sin. Because God loved us in our sin. God still loves us in our sin. We, we, we may just dislike them. Well, you know what? It's time to like them. Well, I don't know if I can like them. Well, that's okay. You got to love them. And you need to pray for them. One of the things that will, will help to dissolve that between you and them is pray for them. Just like Jesus prayed for us. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Jesus prayed that for you. Prayed it for me. And if he did that for us, we're supposed to do it for somebody else. Let it go. I would sing the frozen song, but not today. 
So the third thing is, is to honor, respect other people. I'm telling you right now, all the things that are being done out there to, to cause um, prejudice to end, if we would just do what the word says, there'd be no prejudice. There'd be no racism. There'd be no valuing one above the other. But we're, we're disrespecting God because we're not honoring the word. You know, we, we want to say, well, I fear God. Man, I'm running out of time. God respects and values every human life. There's a respect that God has for every human being. And we show our great disrespect because we murder babies in the womb. We talk about killing older people because they've outlived their usefulness. There's nobody that's useless when God's involved. In Romans chapter 13, verse 7, in the modern English version, says this, Render to all what is due them. Taxes to whom taxes. That's coming up, folks. I hope you're ready. Respect to whom respect is due. Fear to whom fear is due. And honor to whom honor is due. So God's word says this is what we're supposed to do. You know, as much as you don't like paying taxes, do it and honor God. Don't, don't, don't cheat. That doesn't honor God. That brings a dishonor to you and to me as Christians and a dishonor that reflects on God because this is what Christians do. They cheat on their taxes. No, they don't. Not, not if they fear God, not if they honor God, not if they worship God and love God, they won't. So we're to honor other people. Why? We're... we're Honor, honor means to value. We're to value other people that, that they don't have Jesus living in them. I can understand doing it for Christians because God lives in them. But these are people without God. They're godless. They're sinners. They're doing all sorts of stuff that's offensive to God and to me. God has us here for a purpose. If, if there was no purpose of us being here, the moment we got saved, we'd go straight to the throne room of God. We'd be in eternity, and we'd be worshiping God, and we'd be enjoying the, the eternal life that he has for us. But there's something for us here, and we're supposed to be reaching out to these, these people that, that are so offensive to each other and to us and, and so dishonoring to God because God loves them. Why does God love them? God loves them because humanity was God's pinnacle of creation. He created mankind. I'm telling you right now that, that if you think about it, if you did anything, you know, running home from school from, from kindergarten or first or second grade elementary school with, with, with our paper in our hand, look, Mom, look what I made. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. What is it? But because we made it, we have such honor that we want to give to it. We, 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 we so appreciate it, even if nobody else does. 
There's value we place on it because we created it. God created humanity. There's value just from the fact that he created it. But there's another part. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that we were made in the image of God. Not Christians. It doesn't say Christians are made in the image of God. It says all human beings. God created humans in his own image. He created them to be like himself. He created them male and female. So how, how, how do we possibly show value and honor to people that don't, don't honor God, that dishonor God? They're made in the image of God. The other thing is, what did, what did God exchange for every human being? Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for every human being. That was the value God placed on humanity. He said, this is what it's worth to me. My only son who is priceless. If you have one of a kind, it very quickly becomes priceless. Humanity, mankind is priceless in the eyes of God. Romans 5, 6 says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. When we were utterly helpless, that means we couldn't do any good. And sinners, we were actively doing bad. It's the worst scenario. Christ died for us. You know, people without God don't generally do a lot of good. They try and do some good, but it's not any eternal good. But actively sinning because we can't not sin. Not good English, but good theology. And so we, we, need, we need to show honor to people because God loves them. God put a price on them, the value of Jesus. And if you value, if you fear God, if you respect and revere God, if you honor God, if you honor Jesus, then you are going to show respect to them, even then when they're not respectful. This is not about what they do to us. Just like Jesus, he didn't go to the cross because what he was going to get out of it. He went to the cross because he feared his father, honored his father, loved his father, and loved what his father loved, which was people. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 and 45, Jesus says this, But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now listen, listen. This should not be true of what any Christian does to you. This should not be true of what we do to any other Christian or anybody else. This is not talking about our enemies are not our brothers and sisters. The sooner we get a grip on that, the sooner we're going to be able to start to unite the way God needs us to unite. Our, our fight isn't against flesh and blood anyways. What's behind what's going on in that person that's so irritating you is the enemy. And, and you can react to it in the flesh, and when you sow to the flesh, you reap destruction, or... You can grow up in Christ and give place to the Spirit of God and reap everlasting life where the fruit of the Spirit comes out instead of all the other garbage that used to come out. Okay. 
So we're to love our enemies, bless those who curse us, do good to those who hate us, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you so that we would be sons and daughters of the Most High God. Sons and daughters. It says sons, but sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. That's how they know we're his. Now, the last thing, and I, I really, I'm sorry, I, don't, I need to just share this with you quickly, and then we'll pray and you can get going. But um, Book of Jonah. How many of you have heard of Jonah? You know Jonah. You know the story. He was, he, he was eaten by a fish, but do you know why? It's because God, the word of the Lord, came to Jonah and said to Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach to all their ungodliness. And, and Jonah, Jonah got up when God spoke to him and took off to go to, anybody know the name of the place? Tarshish. All right, Tarshish was known in that time by the Hebrews as the ends of the earth. He was running away from God. That's what it says. He was running from the presence of God. How foolish, right? He's already in trouble. And so as he's going on the ship, the ship hits a storm, and they cast lots to try and find out who's the cause of this. They find out it's Jonah. And Jonah says this, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear God. Look it up, verse 1 or chapter 1, verse 9. I'm a Hebrew and I fear God. No, he's saying that. That's what he thinks. But what he's done is not fear God. He's not been obedient. And he's running from God, disrespecting him. And so he gets swallowed by the fish and, and he repents in the fish and the fish vomits him up on the shore. I can't imagine what that would look like. And the word of the Lord comes to him a second time. And so he's obedient. He goes to Nineveh. He preaches repentance to them. They repent. And Jonah has a pity party. Jonah is mad at God. And the reason why? Because he hated the Ninevites. He wanted to see them wiped off the face of the earth. And even though he obeyed God, his heart wasn't in it because he was hoping they wouldn't turn and repent. And when he didn't get his way, he sulked. And God showed him how foolish it was. But he said, I fear God. But he wouldn't obey God. He wouldn't honor God. He wouldn't do what God had for him to do. Church, don't, don't fall into the trap like Jonah. I fear God. And yet we disrespect brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't show value to people that don't know Christ yet. And we disrespect God himself because we don't walk in his truth. This is incredibly important to where God is taking the church. But I want you to know right now, not everybody who calls themselves a Christian is a Christian. Not everyone who thinks they are followers of Christ are actually followers of Christ. Jesus said there's going to come a time where people are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this or that and the other thing? And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. This is a time to get really serious. You may say, well, I didn't come to church to be serious. I came to church to be entertained. That's over. It's too late to be entertained. 
This isn't about us getting what we want. It's about getting us getting what we need. Because the hour is late, the world is dark, and Jesus is coming. And we, we are the instrument that God is going to use if we will allow ourselves to be in that place that God has for us to be. To be used to see the greatest, greatest harvest of souls in all, all history. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I thank you for today. Father, the things that, that I didn't say, Father, bring to each one of us what we need. And Father, anything that I said that, that shouldn't have been said, Lord, just take it. But Father, the things that I have been able to be obedient to you in, seal it to our hearts. Help us not let go of your truth. Help us to recognize our need and the world's need for us to fear you, to honor you, to respect you, to trust you, to obey you, to be in awe of you. Because, Father, if we aren't in awe of you, the world will never be in awe of you. And you are an awesome God. You are great and mighty and magnificent beyond comprehension. And we're so grateful that you love us and will come so close and live in us. But Father, help us never to lose our fear, our awe of you. And if we haven't had it, help us learn it. for the working of your spirit in our lives, in our spirit, in our soul, and even in our body. Father, we want to walk with you this week. We want to be led by you and governed by you and guided by you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you that we're never without you. Help us to be always aware of your presence and always obedient. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Have a great week.